This episode was recorded in the one-day gap between week one and week two of Worlds, and any opinions that were broadcasted came before the week two results. As such, we are not liable for any incorrect predictions. Welcome to Wax Half Full, episode 48. I'm your host, Wax, here as always with my co-host, Ads. Rooster Keith in the background, making everything sound all right. Although that may be difficult today because I am without my usual audio equipment, which is not much, really. It's just me turning on our, uh, RTX voice to make sure all this shit doesn't get out there. Keith, how do I sound? I'll go to you first. I mean, it sounds, it doesn't sound awful. Like it doesn't sound the worst. It just okay. sounds sick, know. to be honest. <laughs> it's better, better than Skitter, right? Uh, I don't know. Well, Skitter's audio <laughs> quality is fine. It's all the noise that's the issue. All right. Ads. Everything else. Ads, ask me how I'm doing. How are you doing, Max? Oh, okay. Oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I've uh, been in Korea for about one week now. No, not one week. About six days now. Just out here seeing my parents for the first time in, I want to say, over two years because of the pandemic and all that shit. So, yeah, I'm here. It's, uh... It's an interesting place to be because they live way outside of anywhere that's a city. Well, not way outside, but kind of, kind of an annoying distance away. It's just, uh, it's like right next to a farm, basically. Do you have to drive over that famous uh, K drama bridge? Do you know which one I'm talking about? That no, really long one. I, is there one? Is there a single? Is there a singular famous bridge? Or yeah, yeah it's just in every K drama that I've ever watched. And I've only watched like three. It's been in all of them. Fuck, I can't remember what it's called. No, there it's, like, is it's per- like the one that takes you out of Seoul. No, no, no. There, there is a short bridge that goes over a dirty creek that's full of mosquitoes and bugs. Ah, uh, so you're like in the, in the bug area. How do you handle bugs? Are you a bug person? Like, can you handle your bugs? Uh, apparently, I came toward the end of bug season, so it's not that bad right now. There's like a, there, I saw a couple of centipedes walking around, but it's it's not the worst. Right, because so you're gonna be heading into winter soon. Well, it's yeah. autumn now, right? It's not the. I, I did try to do the thing where I'm out on like the lawn and uh, like reading a book, you know, that kind of thing. And it's just like, no, I can't do this shit. Like everything's biting me here. <laughs> like, fuck uh, that yeah. shit. Yes, we, we made libraries for a reason. We made libraries where books can't get in to read books in. Is that why we made libraries? That was the purpose. They said, fuck these bugs and they made libraries. Is that, yeah, people, that it? People got, people got tired of reading outside. It, it was just intolerable. Right. So... Wax, well, I want to ask you a question, and the question yeah. is very simple. It is, how did you end up getting to Korea? Because people are going to be wanting to go overseas. What was the process like? All right. So the reason, entire reason I delayed this for so long, although maybe I, I could have gone earlier, but it would have been a pain. But the main reason I delayed it for so long, for so long was Korea has some fairly strict regulations on who can enter and how they can enter. And for a really, really long time, basically, unless... It was very hard not to get a quarantine. Ex- sorry, very hard to get a quarantine exemption, like unless you had very particular circumstances. Almost everyone who came into Korea had to do a fourteen-day quarantine at their own cost. So, it, and was this in a hotel, or could they did they let you do it at home? So, base. So that's the other thing too. Uh, most people would have have had had to do it at their own cost again, which would have been I don't know. I think it's like around two thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars for the fourteen days. At their own cost, in at some government mandated uh, hotel, and there were some exceptions where you could do it at home if you had a residence. But the qualification for that's kind of iffy. I, I don't know if I would have qualified for that. Yeah. And uh, so I I waited until they had some new policies in place that allowed uh, if you have direct family, you can visit, and they'll waive your quarantine if you're fully vaccinated. So I had to wait for that policy to have in place. So yes. For that to happen, you know, they had to make vaccines first, which took, you know, a year. And then they had to get the policy in place. That's basically why I waited about two years. To, I had to wait about two years to come here. So if that, you're just regular me who doesn't have any family there, I can't just go. I still have to do quarantine, right? Yes, you could go, but they would make you quarantine. I don't yeah. I don't think they would outright ban you. But you, yeah, you, you would have to do the 14-day quarantine at significant cost. I, I was looking into Japan and they, they're like, oh... Are you vaccinated? Cool, cool. We'll let you do 10-day quarantine instead of 14 days. And yeah. then you can come visit. Yeah. So, yeah. And also, I had to 
uh, you know, it's just standard stuff. You have to have a negative COVID test to get on the flight. And then after you get here, you have to take two more COVID tests. Fortunately, the ones here are free. And I think, well, whatever. That, Other that, countries that's a, aren't free, yeah. That, that's another saga. Uh, like, I, I probably, sh- I ended up paying for a COVID test in the States that I probably shouldn't have because I half-assed my research. So yeah, if I have to go to Korea again in the next couple of months, at least I won't pay for that, but whatever. I, I'm, I'm out $200 I shouldn't be out of, but that's, fu- that's fine, I guess. In the end, you got there. That's the important yeah. part. Yeah, basically. And uh, Although I might have to pay for a COVID test on the way back. I don't know. It's, it's a bit complicated. When you get to America? No, yeah. like before. before. Like the, the way they do it is like they charge you out. They try to like uh, get money out of you because the COVID test when I get here, like that's just for them to know because they want to know. But to get a flight, they need to give you like an attestation form, some some documents. Yeah, and they, yeah, and they'll just they just bill you for that. They're like, okay, just give us like fifty bucks or something like that. So right, I, I might yeah. have to pay for that. Whatever. I don't know if that was interesting, but that's how international travel is in some places. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Good to yeah. know how the process is going to be for when I'm allowed out of the country in December. I think. Yeah, they're letting Australians, or not maybe not all Australians, but at least New South Wales people. Oh, uh, you guys are you guys are yeah, still you guys are still on on a country arrest. Yeah, we're still on country arrest, but it's like a less strict country arrest than it was before. Okay, okay, so let's move on to the usual. How is ads doing? Because apparently you haven't been getting much sleep lately, and I feel like we'd be remiss to not ask you why you aren't you aren't getting much sleep. Well, look, I um, I I I pulled up a great strategy. First off, there was no. Well, Okay, first off, let's start cleaning. The reason I haven't been getting much sleep lately, beyond the normal reasons of just not being able to sleep, is because Worlds is on, and it's in Europe, which means it's on at the worst possible uh, time zone for Australians, because it starts at 10pm and finishes around 5am, depending on how quick the games are, and if there are any delays, etc, etc. Um, so the first two games you can watch reasonably well, like maybe the first three games, and still have a decent sleep schedule if you work you know, regular 9 or 5 hours. Um or eight to three as I work, um, but if you don't work those hours, uh, sorry, if you want to watch all the games or if the games that you interest you are at the end of the game, at the end of the, th- you, you know, there's people who can just watch like have something recorded and then watch it later, not live. I'm just not that person. Like I, if it's not live, I'm just gonna check social media and be like, alright, cool, I'm not gonna watch this unless it was like some incredible game. You know what I mean? Which is far and few between. That used to be that used to be me, but then I've become very used to watching things live. And I, I actually, now that I'm used to it, I actually don't like live as much because I can't skip through the bullshit. I I feel like I save so much time watching recorded shit. I just like you know, I just scrub through the video because because you, you sort of know when you're watching esports what the important part is, what the non important part is, right? I mean, I guess yeah. if you want, to, I mean, I guess you know what that that's sort of a casual thing because definitely depending on how hardcore you are about league of legends someone would say yes like you could track the jungler pathing for the first 11 minutes and that's actually i guess if you're playing at a high level that's in, that's very important but like i don't give a shit about that yeah fair enough and like there's there's a specific especially in league of legends i don't know how it is in other esports because i don't really watch any others except for some cs and some dota league is very regimented around objectives which have set timers so there's not a lot happening for about like three or four minutes at a time after a dragon's taken and there's three or four minute low and then there's a minute set up for that and then there's a fight maybe that's very regimented in that sense exactly like the, the way like emily Rand watches lol is she has a spreadsheet and she checks each yeah. jungler's like timing for each camp the way i watch it is i just press the uh, arrow button constantly on the vod and then I, I check to see if anyone's died until kills go up <laughs> exactly booga booga. to the other problem if if the, this is why NA sucks, okay? We had all those hypotheses as to why NA sucks uh, two weeks ago. The real reason is because people like Wax, the the casual fans aren't taking enough interest in the jungle timers. They're not watching things with spreadsheets open. They're not improving. They're not messaging their, their favorite junglers on Twitter and saying, you idiot, why did you go to Raptors at 5 minutes and 56 seconds? You should have piled to Wolves. Here's my spreadsheet to help you become a better player. That's uh, what you not, need to be, Wax. It's not just me. Like, if you go to the official LCK Korea channel, the videos with the most views aren't like the full bots. It's the like 10-minute recap of the game. <laughs> you know, 
10 minute game recap vod like well, that's the that's, one that people watch they don't post the, they, they don't post the full vod anymore do they i don't think but i'm assuming it was still the case regardless maybe lck korea does but i don't think lck global does mm-hmm. so, so I, th- I think we were getting there but uh yes yeah, since you spent so much time watching it uh, it would be remiss not to get your uh your thoughts on week one that's yeah, what happened what happened on week one week one there was a complete destruction of the West, I would say, um, both EU and NA. So if we look at the groups, we see EU and NA are third and fourth in every single group. Um, and the only groups where they're not last are Group B, where Detonation Focus Me, the Japanese team, loves them my life. Yudapon, you're great, but you kind of suck. Um, should be replaced with more Koreans so that they have five Koreans and then maybe they could win Worlds. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the only group they're not in last place is Group B, where they're third. In every other... NA is in last place in every other group. And then EU is in third place in two other groups and they're in fourth in another group because Fnatic boomed. Yes. So basically, Korea, uh, Korea played very, very well. They had a bit of a hitch with Hanwha Life Esports, who were kind of inting as the fourth seed, but everyone thought that in anyways. All the other Korean teams are doing well. Chinese teams are doing well. Um, and PSG, Talons are doing surprisingly well, although I guess they got helped by Fnatic booming. Yeah, so basically every Western team right now has a losing record, and they wrapped it off by ending, I think, what is it, Wednesday's games with a 0-6, uh, and six, a clean 0-6 and six and all their... They had I think a day it was 1-5, and five, I think. Uh, oh, yeah, they, uh, they, won, they won. They like played a, each other. Yes, exactly. But I think they were, yeah, they were winless on one of the days against the Eastern teams. One, one of the stats is they are one and twelve against all Eastern teams, not named. Detonation focus me. So obviously, uh, you know, Fnatic's upset, who had to very, very abruptly, uh, you know, cancel his participation in the tournament due to a family, uh, family matter. So that affects it. And, you know, like, I, I have no idea whether him playing for Fnatic would have swung any of the games either way. I, from what I hear, he was a very important player on that team. He was the, one of the guys who was carrying them as opposed to being carried. So I'd say he's one of their best players, yeah. Yeah, so who knows? But regardless, it, it's it's pretty bad. Looking pretty bad for the West. And I, I don't know if we went on this too deep when we were talking to Jason a couple of weeks ago. But what was the general outlook for the Western teams going into this tournament? Was this a year of optimism? Was this a year of pessimism? Like, What were people projecting even? I think the optimism wasn't as high as in maybe 2020 especially because, you know, you just had uh, G2 make Worlds Finals 2019. Um, Fnatic were going very, very well. NA was doing nothing, but, you know, that's NA. So I think there was very big optimism heading into 2021. And then G2 kind of lived up to that as much as they could. But realistically, they hit their they hit their ceiling. They changed rosters, and then G two didn't make worlds. And then this year, I think the level of optimism was lower, just because G two isn't there. Um, you know, people had some hope for Mad Lions. Fnatic obviously had a relatively easy group that they probably should have gotten out of in normal circumstances. Uh, Rogue and Cloud Nine were doomed. So I think optimism was lower. But I think if no Western team comes gets out of groups, that's going to be a massive shock. And it's looking extremely possible, like very, very possible, that no Western team gets out of, out of groups. So just going by week one, like what what are they doing wrong? Like why are they losing? What what's so bad about these Western teams compared to say previous years? Or maybe I should rephrase the question a little bit. Um, if you take out actually like G two, is this about the normal level that Western teams performed as, or is this actually even worse? Like e- even in previous years, you take away G two, they're actually playing even worse than that level. Yeah, well, even without G two, you know, let's let's well, twenty 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 twenty. Sorry, I mean C nine. They got C nine. Yeah. They get out of groups usually. I think they've always gotten out of groups in the years they've made worlds. I might be wrong on that, but you know, G two Fnatic uh, made it out. So that's two groups, two teams that made it out of uh, worlds la- last year, uh, worlds groups last year. So that's if, two to zero is a pretty big drop. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a relatively big drop. So there's always been a team making it out of Worlds. But the difference is this year that people need to remember is, I guess it doesn't really matter because Hanwha sucks, but um, it's the first year where both Korea and uh, China have four seats, which means every group has a Korean team and every group has a Chinese team, 
which makes it significantly more significantly more difficult for an uh, for a EU or NA team to get out. Whereas in previous years, uh, Korea only had three seeds. China had four seeds still. EU technically had the fourth the four seeds as well, but they mad. Well, who who didn't get it out? Maybe it was Rogue who didn't get out of groups out of planes. But yeah, so that makes it more difficult. Um, so far as what's the problem? So what's the problem? Yeah. The problem is the top laners suck. Every top laner is getting fucking head stomped. Every single top laner. It is ridiculous how even top laners who aren't considered the best in their regions um, are absolutely destroying the tops. Bot lanes are going well. We had Han Sam pop off in one game. Which I think they still lost. It was on Lucian. Uh, actually, yeah, they still lost. That, that was the down one gaming. Um, bot lanes have been going well. Mid lane, I think the EU mids have been heavily, 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 heavily underperforming. I think Humanoid has sucked so badly, and people were hyping him up. Personally, I don't watch much EU just because, like I said, really shitty timeline time zones. EU starts at one AM normally for OCE, whereas NA starts at seven AM depending on the day, which means like I could catch a few games during the day, like if I'm not, before I go to work or even during work if I'm working from home. Um, so I've watched more NA than I have of EU. So I didn't have like a high opinion of EU personally because I had no information. But people were telling me, you know, Humanoid, you know, uh, was going to pop off. You know, he was he was the best mid lane in EU. You know, he'd beaten caps to get to Worlds. So, you know, people had hype for him. But he's just not performed. Uh, I think as well, I was going to say they have a bad meta read. But actually, I think they have a better meta read than China does. Because we've had FPX just run it the fuck down with shitty drafts. Um, so, yeah, I guess it's just top diff. And... For EU mids, they're underperforming heavily. I don't think any EU mid has played well. I think the junglers are playing pretty well. Um, Bupo played very well in most of the games. He did in a few times. Labba has even performed relatively highly. Uh, who else was... Uh, yeah, I think the rest have like, played decently well. Santorin's had good games, had bad games. So I, I, think, I, think, I think if you're going to go to TL, have performed relatively to the expectations. Okay. Of what they've been at. All right. So the way you, you say it, it makes it sound like they could maybe turn it around. So largely, it's been lane diff. It's not exactly like a draft diff or a macro uh, and play. Then, and then macro play, they're just getting butt fucked. Okay. But, never mind then. But, well, that, but the that's th- always but, the case. Like, but the thing but, is, right? Like, you, how, how much of it is macro diff and how much of it is how can we possibly macro correctly when our, our top laner is ADCS down at 15 minutes? That's true. But it does seem historically like G two was probably the only team who was doing macro things that that, that actually the uh, Eastern teams couldn't keep up with. Like they were probably actually the team that was like better at it. Yeah, I think they were definitely, especially if you watch. <coughs> excuse me, if you watch their games versus SKT, um, they've got the infamous uh, games where they're just completely out macroing them with you know rise and just going in different lanes, and SKT had no answers. Um, Fnatic have had success against some Korean teams. But uh, I think more, their success more so came from their ability to team fight very well as a strong unit, more so okay. than their macro. Okay, so you don't see them turning it around in that case. In that case, I think like the, there's no there's way. The... Quote, quote me on this. Mm-hmm. EU is trash. NA is dog. None of these teams are going to get out of world, out of groups. Oh. The, the only question I have is whether Hanwha can turn it around and make it a four Korean, four LPL, uh, four Chinese team um, semifinals, or quarterfinals, I should say, and whether a Riot will will rig the groups, the system, so that they have a Korean team on one end, one end, and all the four Korean teams on one side, and all four Chinese teams on the other side. Yeah, at least from what I saw, it didn't seem like Chovy was living up to the hype. I, obviously, he's very skilled, but it didn't seem... Like he's doing his usual thing, right? Beat up on on terrible teams, but really can't like get anything done against a solid uh, like actual championship tier team. I think his top side is really bad, and mm-hmm. I don't think anybody can salvage that top side. Uh, I also think he's not playing as well as he has, but it's not like a considerable drop. Like maybe it's a ten percent difference from his LCK performance. It's it's which might be the difference, I guess, between his team winning and losing a close game. But for the most part. The games weren't lost off him doing anything badly. It was more so his top laner, who's already been discussed as a massive weakness for Hanwha Life. All right. 
Okay, so is that if that's all the uh, League of Legends content we have, I guess we could move on to our first uh, real topic. Me, 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 and Keith, uh, both both fans of both very big fans of the Popeyes fast food chain. I don't know if you have Popeyes there. I don't think you do. I think you only have KFC. You, you only have KFC. But yeah, they they recently they just announced a new collaboration, a new a new endorsement deal with uh, Megan Thee Stallion. And it's she's putting out a hot sauce, and this sort of goes in line with all the other deals that McDonald's was doing in the last few years, where they had, I think we we, we talked about this last week, but they they've done the you know the BTS meal, they've recently done the Sweetie meal, I think before that it was Travis Scott. Uh, ads. What do you think about? Do you think this is uh, any different from the previous? styles of of commercialization or is this just more of the same i think it's more of the same i have a question first can you buy the hot sauce separately they haven't given us the details yet they just or, said they're doing it okay so like they don't have a deal where they sell their hot like for example nando's here sells a sauce i don't know if it's anyway similar to their normal sauce but it's pretty close um like through like local um supermarkets right like you can buy nando's sauce at a supermarket can you do that with popeyes like do they sell popeyes sauce at walmart no, no they don't they don't do that they don't have yeah. that kind of they don't have that kind of item there you can do that with chick-fil-a though chick-fil-a actually sells its sauces because they have a cult following okay so that so they do but yeah popeyes doesn't so it's purely you know like what you order a burger and you ask for the megan the stallion sauce they haven't really said so they haven't really told us yet how does it normally work do do they ask you for sauces uh you ask for sauce on the side yeah you if you get like uh tenders you say hey i want you know like barbecue sauce i want ranch i want honey mustard so i'm I'm gonna assume you you'll ask them can i have the megan the stallion hot sauce or whatever whatever it's called nice nice um i think it's good i think it's interesting to see that um i guess we've had traditional you know uh, deals like collab deals with alcohol has been a f- uh, pretty famous one. Yeah. Um, there've been shoes, you know, like there's been ASAP yeah. Rocky shoes, for example, Kanye obviously has infamous shoes. Plenty of other artists have had those shoes. So I guess it's interesting to see the jump to food, yeah. but it's not unexpected. The question is how much uh, like BTS and the Travis Scott meal kind of blew up into memes. Yeah. I wonder if Popeyes have that cultural cachet to get, to get to the meme status, you know what I mean? Where like people are gonna be blasting Megan the Stallion songs into um speakers. Uh I mean I, I think they do definitely because like the, the sandwich they released I, I don't know if you, if you Oh yeah, this, I remember that one really, yeah. yeah. Yeah, basically they made one of they basically revolutionized the industry and they made everyone make a chicken sandwich because theirs was so popular. It was one of those vibe it was actually it was a food item that was viral, one of those few things where everyone's like, You gotta try this. But I sort of want to go back to the sort of like what Keith was talking about last week in terms of how this is like no different from, you know, all from what, what celebrities have been doing all along. You know, celebrities have been pitchmen for products for years, but yet like, I, I found myself like just noticing it. Like somehow this cuts through my cynicism in a way that I didn't expect. You know, I, I consider myself a very cynical, you know, more informed than most consumer. But all of these deals, and you know that word, because they they say collaboration, right? That's the word they use. They don't say it's endorsement deal. They don't say it's like whatever. I'm a spokesman. They they say collaboration, and it's. I just find myself shocked at how easily duped I am by that. And and it, and it's basically them saying this is organic now, and then I'm saying, oh yeah, this is organic when it, when it's not at all. It's all like you know, it's as cynical as it's ever been. I, I wonder, like, are are these deals any different in terms of like, the actual financial structure, or is it just purely, purely a, a change of framing? Okay, I get, I get what you mean now. In terms of like before, you would call them endorsement deals, um, and now they're being called, being called yeah. collaborations. Hmm. Yeah. But is is the is this is the structure behind the scenes exactly the same? So like, let's let's do an example yes. with the uh, the celebrity liquors. Uh, does so Conor McGregor has the proper seven, right? Proper twelve. But he oh, sold sorry. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he sold. He sold it. Yeah, he sold it for a ridiculous amount of money. But oh, okay. I think so. He so actually case, owned a part of the company, like fifty or sixty percent right. of the company. 
Right. So that was like a more that's like a more legit collab, I feel, because like he actually owned it. But aren't there other deals like that where they were, you know, a celebrity will put their name on something and say, I'm this is my, you know, tequila. This is my whiskey. But they actually only have something like, I don't know, like a one percent stake. So it's yeah. like they, they have just enough to make it seem like it. But it's like it's barely different from like, a regular endorsement deal. Right. Well, there's that famous uh, Jay-Z bar switched, switched it to Ciroc to give Puff stock a boost. When he says, like, you know, I was drinking this alcohol, but then I heard Puff, you know, was collateral and being endorsed by this Ciroc. Mm-hmm. Um, Ciroc of vodka? I think it's a vodka. Yeah. Well, I, um, I, thought, I thought Ciroc was an example of, like, that's the case where it's legit. Where I thought Puff Daddy actually had, like, a pretty significant amount of share in that. I, I'm not saying for Puff Daddy, but I'm saying Jay-Z and other rappers co-signing it to give it, like, a boost. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. But, but the- I, I'm sure they got paid to do that. You know I mean? Yeah, but but that's more traditional endorsement, isn't it? That's more traditional. Hey, just be like a you know a spokesperson and an ad model for that. That's not so much like that's not not so much selling this veneer of like I'm participating in this, like I'm helping create this, which is uh I don't know, yeah, that that's what I'm uh, talking about here. Okay, um, I'm trying to think of any examples off the top of my head. I can't really think of many examples. Aviation Gen with Ryan Reynolds. So does he own that, or is he he just pretends to be something? Uh, he acquired a stake in it mm-hmm. like like it already existed he didn't make it mm-hmm. um but then he eventually acquired a stake in it and then became like the face of it as if it was like his own thing hmm. but he's only like whatever like five percent ten percent or something like that yeah i i don't actually know what the uh it doesn't say it on wikipedia and that's as far as i'm gonna go but I, I guess overall what i'm what i'm just saying is that capitalism wins again because man i i i, I I quite enjoy these uh, fast food collaborations. Like, like, I don't like they've worked every time without fail. Like, it's it's too effective. I'm I'm kind of afraid. So, are you gonna get the Megan Thee Stallion sauce with your like, yeah. nuggies? Like, yes, I, yeah. I'm, I'm 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 very very regretful that I'm gonna be in Korea for its release. It's oh, are they, are they no no Popeyes in Korea? Uh, it's sadly they uh stopped their business like last year. I don't know why. I don't know why they didn't oh, succeed really? here. It's it's so it's so bizarre. It's the best. It's so it's Chicken. so much better than yeah. It's better than KFC. I mean, KFC is still big here. I don't know. This deal is interesting because it's it. So the normal what we normally have recently with these is that a celebrity puts their name on like a meal that they quote unquote designed. Um. And like it's a promotion for like a specific uh, combo or whatever. But this deal between uh, Meg and Popeyes, uh, it's just so as far as menu items go, it's just the sauce. And they're highlighting that it will be available on their sandwich and as a dipping sauce specifically highlighted for the nuggets. But because it's a regular packet sauce, I'm sure you can get it with tenders or whatever else you order. But then on top of that, they're releasing a clothing line, like a merch line with like bikinis and dog collars and stuff like that. And she's uh, becoming a like a franchisee and she's going to be opening her own Popeye's restaurants. So she's like slapping her name on like every part of the business, basically. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess this is the future of uh, celebrity endorsement. That 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 last part, uh, having a franchise stake, that's sort of in, in line with all the other stuff we're talking about, right? Where, you know, you you, t- you get the five percent stake in whatever, if it's vitamin water or whether it's was that fi- wait, did Fifty Cent actually do commercials for vitamin water? I forget. Maybe he did. I think so. He also made his own headphones, and they flopped. Right, heavily. but but it's it's the same kind of case where so- somehow you create the the well you know the semi facade of, of like deeper involvement by having some kind of like ownership stake but at, at the end of the day it's not so fundamentally different from just old school advertising yeah i mean i don't know what to say about it i'm just saying good 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 job capitalism you've you've upped your advertising game to make that even though i see through your ploys i don't care is it supposed to be a hot sauce what's the sauce describe me the sauce i know you haven't had it it's Honey, cider oh, vinegar, and honey. Aleppo pepper. I love honey. I love to create a, quote, sweet yet bold flavor with a hint of spice inspired by Megan's sassy personality, end quote. 
the hottie sauce. <laughs> Is that what it's called? The hottie sauce? Yeah, the hottie sauce. Nice. <laughs> I love it. See? Don't, don't, don't you want some now? I, I'm hungry as fuck right now, so I'll, I'll eat anything, literally. Oh, there? Hold on. Okay, the sauce will be available beginning October 19th with a corresponding merchandise line dropping at 12 p.m. This, that same day. The collection called The Heat will include bikinis, hats, dog toys, and more. And then two additional collections are slated to drop in November. What? Wait, wait. Okay. Bikinis, hats. All right, fine. I'll get it. I'll get it. Yeah. Dog, dog Popeyes, toys? Popeyes has gotten... Popeyes has low-key been... I don't know how their marketing works, but they've been in the merch game before a little bit. So, because last year they sold a thing where they were selling beignets. beignets. You know what beignet is? What the fuck is a beignet? It's like a fried like donut. It's a French style fried donut, but the thing is that oh, so you, food. yeah, you fry some dough, but the entire point is you dump a shit ton of powdered sugar on top of it. That that's the point of a beignet. And what happens is when you eat one, inevitably you get powdered sugar all over your clothes. Mm-hmm. So what Popeyes did was to celebrate the launch of their beignet dessert item. It doesn't exist anymore. It was like a one-time only promotion. They sold hoodies on their website that have like this powdered snow like print on it. So it looks like you're permanently covered in like sugar. Cool. So, cool. but why dog toys? Oh, that, that I don't know. Is Megan Stallion have dogs? I she likes dogs. She likes Probably. dogs, right? Also, uh, Popeyes. I don't know if you guys remember. Uh, I think it was last year released their like employee clothing. Yes. But designed that. as streetwear. Yeah, the, Wait, your parent. Yeah. They're parodying uh, one of Beyonce, what's Beyonce's clothesline called again? I forgot. Ivy Street. What's what's it called? Maybe they, Ivy Street. Not yeah, sure. they they were basically parodying like a Beyonce like a new release fashion shoot, and they basically had their they had uh, like models wear the employee uniforms, but they styled them to look like a professional photo, like professional like fashion shoot, and they actually looked pretty good. I guess that's more a testament to like how good models and photographers can make any clothes look more than like the clothes looking good. But they use that yeah. as an opportunity to like just just sell their uniforms online, like, like as a joke, basically. Yeah, cool. Popeyes yeah. has good colors. I, I mean, I, I guess that's happened before with um, Balenciaga and Vitamins have done. Vitamins does the famous um, what's what's the uh, DHL DHL DHS? DHL, what's the... What's Vitamins? What, you got you got to tell f- me what Vitamins is now. It's a f- it's a meme. In my opinion, meme fashion brand that you know does similar things like that, where they did the DHL uh, jumper or the shirt. They sold it for a thousand dollars, but it looks exactly like the DHL um, company uniform, right? With the yellow and red, orange. I'm not sure what the color is. The delivery company DHL yeah, is not. It's not as big as in the states as it used to be here, but now it's like not a thing anymore. Now it's all UPS and FedEx. I do remember like a long time ago, DHL used to be a thing here. The thing with a lot of these companies is they get bought by other companies. It's hard to keep track of who's who owns who, really. But mm-hmm. yeah, DHL is more of a, I guess, European European thing. Yeah, and I, I know what you're talking about, but just just for our American listeners who who may not know. <laughs> yeah, the last time I got a DHL delivery was when I ordered Man City gear like five years ago. Disgusting. Uh, so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was on. <laughs> All right, do you want to move on? Yeah, let's you move on to, to let's move on to our next topic. So, as as long as we're in South Korea, let's bring up a South Korea related topic. So, the South Korean president Moon Jae In, he uh, a couple of weeks ago, I don't know how many weeks ago it was, maybe like uh, three weeks ago, he sort of broached the topic of, hey, we should Korea should functionally ban dog meat consumption. We should have a law that bans it. And uh, I didn't really. Uh, I, I asked about it when I got here. How did how did people react to it? And apparently, it wasn't like that big a story. And it wasn't really that big a story in the West either. I suppose I just saw the article. It's just something he threw out there. He, his term is ending in like less than a year or like in a year now. So it's it's it seems to be one of those. I don't know. Like I I can't do anything anymore. Let's let or That's let's just. Years. Yeah, let's okay. just you know, yeah, it's the it's the lame duck shit. It's like let, let's just fuck around, you know. You know how Obama gave like medals to everyone. Like it's like, yeah, fuck, yeah. I, it's like I want I want to hang out with uh, who did he give it to? I forget. Like it, it or like or like Trump. I think Trump and Obama both did this. They just gave out medals to whoever they wanted to, whoever uh, they wanted yeah. to ha- hang out with. Yep. 
Yeah, so it, it seems like that kind of thing, but obvious, and you know, it, it gets picked up in in the West just because you know it's a meme. Well, I guess I mean a lot of countries consume dog meat, but for some reason, I feel like like Korea has become the face of it for some reason. Like I don't know why Korea has most publicity about it. Really, is it the most like famous? I didn't notice the difference between the Southeast Asian countries. To be honest, uh, I feel like Korea's only maybe country I'm I'm not in tune with the racists, <laughs> the racist views. Well, I'm sure they have a lot more uh, nuance to their racism. Okay, so well, I wanted to talk to you about this because um, this isn't so much about this actual issue itself, but the reaction I saw. So, you know, obviously I'm going to say, again, the reactions you see are sort of, they depend on what sites you go to. And you create you curate the sites you go to depending on your own views. So I'm not going to say this is representative. But at least, you know, going through Twitter a little bit, going through Reddit a little bit, reading the comments on this article... I feel like a long time ago, not a long time ago, but maybe like 20 years ago, the reaction would have been, yeah, this is obvious. Like they, they should ban, you know, dog meat consumption because it's cruel. And a lot of what I was reading this time around was that while I may personally agree with banning dog meat consumption, people are taking the view of, but like the, everyone was taking one step back and looking at the general issue of like, like why only ban dog meat? Like if like the thing should be, if you're going to ban any meat, the consumption of one meat, then why not? Ban the consumption of all meat, and the view was that this is just, uh, yeah, this is just a cultural thing. There's nothing like like particularly moral about this when you look at the the larger picture of like vegeta- vegetarianism and animal cruelty. So I was surprised to see the view change that way. Like, and I guess that's that's natural because before maybe the objection to eating dog meat was purely cultural. You know, this you know sort of the East versus West cultural di- divide, and now now you know like vegetarianism, veganism has. It's it's blown up like a shit ton, right? I forgot what the numbers were. I remember like what, didn't didn't we five percent? Is that what it, they say for the entire world? Oh, I don't know about the entire world. Maybe to be high, uh, low for the entire world. Is, um, is that what is it? Is that what it is in Australia though? That's like the cited it's number. Around yeah, five percent, and I think two yeah. percent is vegan. But that might yeah. have changed more recently. Yeah. And I remember like a while ago, we read that, you know, the source was a bit sketch, but people were claiming that in Brazil, it, like the vegetarians were, it was like 12% of the population, which was like, it seemed insanely high, but whatever. Like, I didn't... 10, 10% of the world's population follows some kind of vegetarian diet. I think that's heavily skewed uh, for religious uh, vegetarianism, like India, which might, it might not be the same. US is very, some 8% or something like that, roughly. But yeah. Um, as so, so far as like this issue goes, I'm I'm surprised that there was that kind of take. I I, I don't know if that take always existed, but it's now gotten to the point. I don't, I don't know how much vegetarianism and veganism's explosion helped this viewpoint because I guess veganism and vegetarianism get that unfair rap where they kind of get all put in the same bucket of you know when you t- when whenever you tell somebody you're vegan, I guess the first. The first uh, response is ill, why? Um, and then they say like, "Oh, you're one." Of, even if they don't say it, they think you know, "Are you one of those loonies?" Right? Like people who just, you know, go do do things that most ve- vegans wouldn't do, um, or you know, like take ridiculous standpoints that you know are illogical. But how much that actually affects this take? I, I think this take is only affected purely because. Because um, people are just more aware of cultural differences outside of just, you know, just interacting with people because of the internet. Yeah, I mean, I I thought it was kind of interesting because uh, also just the, I don't think that young people 20 years ago really thought about the concepts of like colonialism and imperialism. And now, and honestly, I think people bring that up maybe a little bit too much these days in context that where it's like, tangentially related it's one of those things where you know you can say like everything's tinged with white supremacy which is like i guess technically true in america but at the same time it doesn't mean that every conversation you have has to involve that it doesn't have to but at the same time it's it's emblematic of awareness like people people actually do are aware of those kind of things and see where it matters and i was kind of amused to actually see this the dog meat eating argument sort of framed from a uh like a, a cultural imperialism aspect where it's like, it's not so much about whether or not people care about dogs, but it, there's like an aspect of just in, you know, imposing your culture's ideals upon other countries, you know, like that's the more relevant factor. And some people saw through that lens. So I thought that the people having that viewpoint itself, it was just more, 
this is more me looking at the the discourse and thinking, oh man, like this, it's changed a lot since the twenties. I'm not sorry, twenty years ago, the nineteen nineties and two thousands. When I feel like this would have been really showing your age there, the twenties. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This when this would have been like this would have been a very one sided discourse, or like no, a very very black and white discourse, I should say. Yeah, I guess right, well, it's it's good to see that. I I think that the funny thing is, I just looking at this article. I love the fact that the article just. I've been noticing more of the curation of photos in articles nowadays and like how some some news sites do use photos just like to like push another agenda. And it's hilarious yeah. to see him with a bunch of trees, uh, like a garden and just like six puppies. Yes. Yeah. And just sitting there and just like contemplating life. It's great. I like, I like that photo. It's a good yeah. photo. I'll give it a eight out of ten. Yeah. Like personally, I would say my stance on this is that I wouldn't – I technically wouldn't oppose a lot that bans like dog meat consumption. Well, so I don't think they can ban consumption straight up. The way it is in the United States is like they can't literally ban you from eating eating dog meat. Like that's like it's technically illegal to eat dog, to, to kill yeah. dogs. That's how you do no, it. No, no, they can't even do that. Like, like that would be more like an animal cruelty thing. Basically, the way they ban in the states was, uh, you cannot um, raise dogs for commercial consumption. Basically, so. If you have your own dog, and I guess, like, I don't even know how this works. Like, I guess I'd have to look at the animal cruelty laws. Like, if, you're, if your dog died of natural causes and you want to eat your dog, like, that's fine. Like, they can't ban you from doing that. They, they can't have put, like, a blanket law that says you can't eat this thing. And for people who say, like, that's weird, like, when you speak to farmers and whatnot, they speak of their farm animals like their pets, basically. Like, they're part of the family. That, well, I don't know if they believe it or not, but that's how they, they put I shouldn't say they because that's stupid and, you know, uniform. Um, but a lot of farmers, at least the farmers that you see talk on the news or whatever when it comes to, like, these kind of issues, speak of their animals as if they're, you know, part of the family or, like, almost at the level of pets. Yeah. But without, like, that, you know, distinction between, oh, this is a pet and this is food, you know, like, in the end. They're also commercial elements, yeah. uh, commercial entities for them. Whereas you're not making money off your dog unless, you know, his Instagram or his TikTok blows up, in which case yeah. um, you should seek medical help because making TikToks and talking about your dog in the third person, like, oh, thank you, human, for giving me treats and writing those messages and thinking that's a normal human behavior is an illness. Do you have pets at, do you have pets at home? I have two cats, yeah. Oh, you're a cat person. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm a cat person. I, I would have dogs, but... It should have been obvious. F- effort. <laughs> now, if, if you do that about your cat, by the way, that's still fucking not normal. Like, I'm just going to yeah. say that. I just used dogs because it was the um, topic. And I guess dogs are more common. Yeah. Like, okay, I, th- yeah. I don't know how many cat versus dog Instagrams are made, but I'm going to assume more dog Instagrams are made than cat Instagrams. But I could be yeah. wrong. All right. Any- anyways, just going going back to like... Uh, so, I, I in general, in, in, in the abstract, I don't oppose a law in Korea that would ban commercial dog... Uh, dog farming dog butchery whatever you call it uh but i'm very wary of where the pressure of that's coming from basically it's like hmm like the, the motives behind it are what make me sort of aware you know sort of feel icky about such a law like in, in its essence like i'm not opposed to it i suppose yeah i agree yeah so i don't, so, I, I don't have strong feelings either way like i, I don't see yeah a problem with with it in a moral sense yeah, random tangent. Like apparently, not not so far from where I'm at right now, there is uh, in the countryside, like there is apparently some place here that that raises dogs and butchers them. And my dad was like, he was pointing it out. I was like, hmm, it's interesting. And but but it doesn't seem like it's a thing that people necessarily like like having around. But I I, I wasn't sure if it's because the people are against the killing of dogs or if they're just against having a butchery, like you know, an abattoir near the place because. In general so like if, if it uh, was like, like any avatar yeah so i wasn't i wasn't sure if like people because apparently people people in this neighborhood in this area they don't like it but i wasn't sure if that's because like they like dogs or if it's because like no one just no one likes having an avatar around so yeah i'm assuming the smell and like yeah it's not nice yeah anyway going on this topic wow this is a pretty good connection we're, we're, we're doing all food we're doing all food this week so thank you the, for making me hungry Okay, so the famous American, so it came out a, a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, that the 
Well, I think we talked about this before, before this came out. So a couple of episodes ago, I don't know, was it like 10 episodes ago? We, we talked about how 11 Madison Park, which is one of the New York, New York City's fanciest restaurants, they changed during the pandemic. They decided they're going to change tack completely. So before it was basically the fanciest standard Western style restaurant in New York or one of the fanciest. And during the pandemic, they decided to close the kitchen and reopen as a only vegan restaurant. And I wasn't exactly sure, like the wording on it at the time was a little bit ambiguous. Like it seemed like the owner was saying, hey, we're doing this because because of the chef, I don't know what the owner and the chef, like suddenly they started thinking about sustainability. They started thinking, like, you know, it was a mixture of all the reasons people go vegan, right? They were, they were touching on all the reasons. It was like, you know, sustainability, ethics, what, yada, yada, yada. Like, it was all these things. So the it was a bit murky what their actual conviction behind it was, but whatever, it happened. So they reopened this year with their all vegan kitchen. They they didn't change their, they didn't change their prices, which is, so I'm, I'm guessing their margins are a lot, lot, lot bigger because vegetables are a lot cheaper than uh, than fine proteins, fine animal protein. Okay, I guess if you're like, they're like what, like a five star kind of thing. They're not flying in like like rare tuna from Japan anymore. That's what I'm saying. Like okay. maybe maybe there's like a rare beet from. What if what uh, if they're uh, flying in that rare rare beets, um, rare beet? You know that that also yeah, has my idol group promoting them in Japan. <laughs> the one that I'm hand rearing. I thought it was a mushroom. I thought it was mushroom girls. The shikos, shiitake mushrooms or beets. You know, I, I'm willing to adjust. You know, as as the market, as I look at the market and you know analyze, I'm I'm willing to adjust my my focus group. Uh, okay, so anyway, what happened to Eleven Madison was one. Apparently, the food's not the food's not great. I I've read a very you know I read a couple handful of reviews. Some of them say it's like not great. Some of them say it's all right. But the the big one was from the New York Times, their their famous critic Pete Wells, who's made a reputation for himself taking down these supposed like hallowed institutions of uh of, you know the restaurant scene. Uh, he he already basically like, a couple of years ago he gave a really really terrible review to one of New York City's most expensive, most uh, most famous restaurants per se, and he came in here and he said okay, one the food's bad, two. I guess, and this is the the funnier reveal. So a lot of people focused on him just giving them a shitty review. He gave them zero stars out, out of four, which was which is pretty big. But he also revealed that, by the way, if you actually did want meat, they, they're serving meat in a secret meat room. Like if you if you are a rich person who can book like a private room, they'll they'll give you meat. They'll give you they'll give you steak. They'll give you chicken. They'll they'll give and you were, all that stuff. Were they originally given high reviews for their meat? Yeah, yeah. The original, the, when they were a regular restaurant, like, you know, a standard Western restaurant, they were one of the finest in New York. Okay. So essentially what they've done is they've given you a subscription-based model. They've they've done subscription-based modeling for their restaurant where if you want to get the good stuff, pay us this, whatever the cost is for a private room fee, and then you can now enjoy our regular menu. So they're hiding like this is like games. This is video games. Oh, so it's pay pay to pay to win. What's pay to pay to meet. Pay, pay to, to eat meat. Okay, and you know what? I'm gonna have to say, great economic work. You know, I'm 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 assuming, like you said, the the margins increased on the regular stuff, and now they've got margins on their other stuff. Like if if you were a person who went to this restaurant and was a you know big fan. Then you're gonna be like, damn! I'll just pay for the for the room and be like, get the regular shit, you know, get the old stuff. Like, yeah. imagine if you could pay Kanye to make his old music. I'm just saying, how much it, would people it, pay for that? <laughs> it, it does make me wonder how much of the original like statement was just complete bullshit and like, because it, it. So here, here's the way I'll, I'll say it. Apparently, like, in the back room, they also serve like. They serve foie gras, which is made through one of the most cruel animal raising processes that possible. Okay, so that that's there, right? So they're serving foie gras. They're also serving sturgeon, which is endangered. It's a highly endangered fish. So they're so in the back room, they're violating both the concepts of conservation of you know sustainability and the concept of like animal cruelty. They're they're just indulging in both in the back room. So this makes me wonder, like, why did they do this in the first place? Because like, in my mind, like, because like we said, like vegans and vegetarians, they're like what, like ten percent of the population at most. Let's, let's say at most. So yep. 
changing to a vegan menu is like it's not good for business like why would it's not good for business so and they're they're not and they're clearly not keeping any kind of moral standards so why not just keep the restaurant running the same way it was in that case like it just makes no sense okay so uh, the, the question i have is did they originally go vegan and then get pressured by certain people to still offer that other thing and then like was was there a gap where they were only doing vegan stuff and then they said oh wait we're losing all these people who normally come to this restaurant let's you know still give that option or was it always planned to be this way because if it was always planned to be this way then that's a bit you know so, so according to them they're going to transition out of this uh the meat room in 2020 in 2022 and according to them this happened before you know this got re- revealed by the article like like they had always planned to do it. So the most kind interpretation, I, I guess, is that they wanted to do a gradual transition, but they wanted to do it sort of in like a you know two stage way. So you know we'll make our main kitchen vegan, and we'll keep you know the the meat classics for our 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 regulars, the our elite regulars. If you if you're gonna be a regular at Eleven Madison, you're part of like you're you're you you're know, already an elite. Yeah, you're you're in this upper crust. So we're gonna we're gonna keep the private meat room for these people, but we're going to force them to go to our vegan menu too in 2022. So I kind of, I, I kind of buy it, but at the same time, I, I'm a little bit leery of the motives here. Yeah. I, I, the thing is, I don't get why they even did it in the first place. Like what, what was the push? Was it, you know, just the, was it somebody who, the chef? I don't know. Like, uh, I guess the, have yeah. To, I guess the, again, the kind interpretation is that it was actually ideologically, you know, it was purely ideological, but they knew they couldn't do it like cold turkey, so they had to. They so this was all part of a plan. They were like, okay, we're going to do this, but we're going to transition into it over two years with a private meat room and like a, a forward-facing uh, vegan room. Yeah, like I'm, I'm trying to see, um, you know, if their chef is vegan, but it looks like no. I don't see the reasoning for what he's doing, like, or what they're doing, rather. It's kind of weird. But I guess in the end, if they're actually going to do what they're doing and they didn't just get found out and now they're, you know, trying to swing publicity, we'll see what happens after 2020, uh, in 2022, I should say. We'll definitely yeah. follow this up and remember this because, you know, we're just cold, hard investigative journalism from Wax is always factually correct and yeah, allegedly. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, allegedly. sorry, sorry. Oh yeah, sorry. I, I'm moving off the top of my head. I I, I did typ- typically I I, tr- I try to do a little bit of research, but uh, this I, I'm just trying to remember what I what I was thinking about. By so by the way, this is this is interesting in any case because I, th- I think this is probably the like likely one of the most expensive restaurants in the world that serves the all vegan menu or plans to, and they only started doing it around you know early this year. So I mean, it'll be interesting to see if this restaurant actually survives or like. Can, can its reputation carry it through if the food isn't good? I mean, because yeah. because by all because like by all reviews, apparently the food is interesting, but it's not necessarily good. And I I don't know what that says about uh, I don't I don't know what that says about vegan cuisine. Like I I don't want to necessarily put a fork in it and and say that it can't ever be at at the level of you know food with meat in it. But at least for you know what people are willing to pay for, it, it may never reach that level, or it may never reach that level in like yeah, maybe, the short term. Maybe- Maybe they can survive, but their prices will go down. That could be the like. Like the question is, and I haven't had it, and I don't think I. By looking at the prices that are on the website, I think I'll ever have it. But um, is it is it bad because it's bad, or is it bad because it's so expensive? Mm-hmm. But if it was like half the price, would it still be that bad? Yeah. Also, this is a place that's like it's it's always been a place that's experimented and changed the menu and done different gimmicks. So it may be the case that, cynically speaking, again, maybe this is their latest gimmick before they change. Like, I, I feel like if it's not working, we'll hear within a couple of years that now nah, we're just going back to being a regular ass restaurant. Yeah, it's fair enough. I have no moral outrage for them. I only have moral outrage for people who who make dog Instagrams. Okay, yeah. It's, you got anything else, or do you, or do you want to move on to song recommendations? Those are truly the morally. Man, I, I, I would admit. Wait, are you against all dog Instagrams, or are you against the ones where you like talk for the talk for the dog? That's yeah, specifically- take fo- yeah. If you just take photos of your dog, and I don't know, give them like 
cute or something. I actually, you know, even that's kind of cringe. Um, but if you like specifically, like the worst ones are when they comment underneath on their regular, their regular account. They're like, "Oh, so cute." Oh god, that's fun. Ads, I gotta ask you a question. Okay, well, so ads, I am incapable of baby talking to anything, even a baby. Like, I, I refuse to baby talk to actual babies, and I, and I can't like baby talk to pets at all. Can you do that? Can I do it to babies? Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I do it to babies. Oh, really? Okay. I, I, I'm just like psychologically incapable of doing it. I, I, I just can't. I don't do it to my cats though. I speak to my cats like the regular humans. Yeah, same. I swear at them if they're being fuckwits. Yeah, but but I, I also speak to babies like regular like regular humans, <laughs> like full, fully grown humans, I should say. Yeah. I, I, I wonder like if it actually, I don't know what the science is, but I wonder if it actually makes a difference. Like if talking to a kid or a little child like even like not like a baby who can't even speak but like a two three year old kid what it actually does psychologically if their parents didn't speak to them in that way like if they're not psychologically I, I i'd assume it'd make no difference let's, if their let, parents didn't let's really talk add, about it let's let's ask babysitter keith do you, do you have to do you have to talk to kids in the, in the baby voice sometimes like, like is it just necessary in order to like communicate and get them to do things you want them to do uh, I don't think so. I think the if I were, it's been years since I would have ever looked this up. I believe um, it's easier for them to understand uh, sounds and and tones. If they sound, if you sound like them, yeah. If you like baby speak. And I think that's the reason for doing it. But as far as any like other deeper development thing, I don't think it actually matters. Okay. So, so they just understand your inflection better if you use the super exaggerated baby speak. It just helps them like understand what, you, what your intent is. Yeah, I believe that's the that's that's what I remember. I might be wrong. It's been like I said, it's been years. And like my my niece is like way past that age. So. Mm, okay that that makes sense i mean because it, it does seem like instinctual like people people of babies speak to animals and like and babies without even like practicing it right it's like it, it's instinctual it seems it, or maybe it's learned i don't know maybe people learned it from watching movies and shit uh, i'm assuming okay yeah it's learned for sure if you mean it that way um all right let's that's let's all move, i have to say that's all i got today I'll, I'll try to prep next week but uh yeah for, for now let's let's just do some recommendations how long, how long are you in career for by the way I'm in Korea for two more weeks, so we're gonna do two more episodes this way. All right, easy. Um, songs of the week. Yeah, you you, you go I'll, you I'll go first. Yeah. I've been doing a little bit of research on. I'm I'm doing like a little. We have an anime club at my school, and I got re- some somehow it was revealed that I speak some Japanese, and once that comes out, it just the word spreads around, and now suddenly I'm part of the anime club, which is fine. Like. I enjoy it. It's pretty fun. Um, but I've been, I now have to become, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a, I fucked this up because my, my bells ring, the bells ring for our door, but fuck that person. Um, yeah. So I was making this uh, little like presentation on Japanese music. I'm starting in the eighties and it's actually in the seventies. I'm going to run through city pop, electronica, et cetera, et cetera, until we get to, you know, lo-fi even with like, Samurai Chan, and I'm trying to incorporate obviously anime soundtracks into it. And during that, I was obviously I was, I'm starting with the baseline or the the introduction of it. So we're going to start with Haru Omi Hosono. So I'm going to have a Haru Omi Hosono song today, and it's going to be Androgyna from his famous uh, electronic album SFX. So that's Androgyna by Haru Omi Hosono. All right. Um, shit, I, I didn't prep anything. Um, Let's do that while I answer the. Door. Okay, sure. Uh, I, I'm in Korea, so I should recommend K-pop. I don't listen to K-pop. Shit, this is hard. Uh, what's the What's the latest BTS song that came out, Keith? Is it the What's the one with Coldplay? Oh, you know what? I, I have you, no idea. You know what? Listen to the uh, the Butter remix with Megan Thee Stallion. BTS. Yeah, listen listen to that. That 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 ties into the episode, right? I think her I think her being on it makes it kind of I don't know. I feel like having like a, one rap verse, it just generally makes most pop songs better. I, I don't know why. It just changes up the uh, the rhythm of it a little bit. It doesn't even have to be a particularly good verse. It, it, and like, I wouldn't say this is like a particularly like exceptional verse, but yeah, just it, it, 
it makes the song it gives the song like a nice little uh change of pace in the middle so yeah what, what i said bts butter i don't know what it's called so Megan, this, damn Megan you're doing a korean theme song as well i just came back you know a korean theme song he's full into korea man yeah i that's what i said man like, have you heard have you heard the remix by the way with megan the stallion yeah, yeah i heard it i heard that yeah. song yeah yeah so yeah, whatever it was obvious so there we go Okay. Yeah, I'm the wrong person to ask about K-pop. I definitely listen to less K-pop than you do, um, than probably anyone at this point. I wouldn't be um, so sure. I wouldn't be so sure. Okay. Anyway, I don't. Well, I don't know. I've listened to like a couple of KDA songs like this past year, I guess, uh, at Ads' recommendation. Um, my song. I haven't listened to it. It just came out. It, <laughs> It's Easy on Me by Adele, and I'm only going to recommend it because it's Adele. The song could be trash. I don't know. I haven't listened to it, but it's Adele, so I'm going to recommend it. Uh, this is how far we're going into it. All right. So, easy on that me sounds by good. Adele. All right. That sounds and good. There's no infl- in, input into it because he's not even heard it. All right. Exactly. All right. All right. Let's close this out. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to our South Korea themed episode. It actually wasn't South Korea themed episode. I guess it kind of was. Because even the world's topic was kind of career themed. Um, listen to BTS, stand BTS, stand us, support us at www.coffee. That's ko-fi or coffee. I don't know which pronunciation I should go with, and I'm just gonna keep saying both. To stick with it. www.coffee.ko-fi.com/slash/thejujus, where you can support the jujus, where you can support us monetarily, and if not. Just listening to us is enough support. It makes me feel loved anyways. Wax doesn't feel any love, so that's fine. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys in the next one.